Welcome to Faith and Good Counsel, where we talk about ways to live a virtuous life and all of the things that affect us in our vocations, in whatever state of life we may be in. And now your host, Stacy Galino. Hey there, everybody. So happy to be back with you again this week. We've got a great program for you today. I'm joined by the lovely daughter of the Most High God, Erin Franco, the humble handmaid. Hey, Erin. <laughs> it's my pleasure to be here. Oh, always, always love having you here, Erin. You always have such good wisdom for us in that, you know, in the journey of life that you are plodding through prayerfully and with purity and intention. And I always learn so much from you, and I know our listeners do too. So thanks for always being so available to us. And hey, check out Erin's blog, humblehandmade.com. And in fact, we're talking about one of her uh, blog posts, one of her past blog posts today, um, Four Ways We Justify Our Poison. I can't wait for that. But very, very first and absolutely the most important thing is that we begin our show today with prayer. So please, listeners, join with Aaron and I as we pray the Anima Christi. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Soul of Christ, sanctify me. Body of Christ, save me. Blood of Christ, inebriate me. Water from Christ's side, wash me. Passion of Christ, strengthen me. O good Jesus, hear me. Within your wounds, hide me. Suffer me not to be separated from you. From the malicious enemy, defend me. In the hour of my death, call me and bid me come unto you, that I may praise you with your saints and with your angels forever and ever. Amen. And St. John Paul II, Apostle of the Human Person, Witness to Hope, Servant of Jesus and Mary, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Amen. Shout out to Christopher West for that beautiful prayer. That's one of his prayers he prays at the Chiobe Institute. And we will be needing that today, Aaron, as we talk about (laughs) four ways we justify our poison. I love, you're so good at blog post titles I struggle with that coming from more of this academic mindedness I can't come up with the the eye-catching cutesy titles I need I need to consult with you on that but I'm curious about how you got the idea for this post Uh, I think it goes back to a little neighborhood barbecue that I went to a couple of years ago and maybe I'm sheltered but I had never heard the term pick your poison really and so we get to the barbecue and the host uh leads us straight to the fridge and there's all kind of beer and wine and stuff in there and he said okay pick your poison guys and I rather it took me a minute to figure out yeah it took me a minute to (laughs) figure out what he was talking about and then um, I got it except I think I was pregnant at the time so he didn't know yet I guess but um, but anyway and um, just before I wrote the blog post that we're going to talk about today I just had it on my heart just that idea of what is what is our guilty pleasure? So many people mm-hmm. talk about a television show or a type of book or a certain book or a movie that they'll go see that's their guilty pleasure that is really wonderful and has great characterization or a cute story, but it's got a little bit of trash thrown in, um, hence the guilty part of it. Yeah, but I can handle that because, you know, I'm me, right? That's, <laughs> yeah. I mean, what else? I don't know really what the other rationalization is, but there are many. And that's kind of what you talk about in your mm-hmm. in your post. So in the post, I kind of had four things that just came to mind that I hear over and over. Four ways that people use to justify 
what just justify a guilty pleasure or whatever poison in mm-hmm. the media. Mm-hmm. So it's about the media, what we're talking about today. Um, so what they pick. So um, the first one is you have to keep an open mind. Ooh. And what does that really mean? We should ponder that for a moment. <laughs> you know, I, I, I have to say, Aaron, I, I wish I could think where I heard this. Um, so whoever you are, if you're listening and you coined this phrase, kudos to you, but I cannot remember your name <laughs> at the moment. I'm so sorry. I'm having one of those brain cramp moments, but it's, it's great to have an open mind, but not so open that your brains fall out. <laughs> I love okay. it. Isn't that great? I just, I, I think it's very apropos to what you're about to talk with us about. Um, well, I think that one of the main problems with the idea of he, you have to keep an open mind is that you end up not being steadfast about anything. Right. Not, you know, not having any kind of criteria for what you are not going to let in your mind. And mm-hmm. what you let in your mind, just like the food we eat, it's going to, it can make you sick, it can hurt you, or it can nourish you. Um, but it's, I mean, it's either good for you or it's not good for you, right? Yeah. And then you're talking about objective truth versus that keeping an open mind kind of feels to me like, you know, the moral relativism, I'm okay, you're okay, everything, everybody just do what you want to do, and we're all going to be happy and prosperous and progressive, and doesn't quite work out Yeah, that with way. our open minds. With our open minds, yeah. that our brains are falling out, yeah. I really, and I really feel like, in particular, I, I like to call it the catechism of our culture, because it's mm. what we grow up hearing, the, in the catechism of our culture, having an open mind is you don't have any criteria for what is good for you or bad for you because there is no good or bad. It's just what's good for you. It's that moral relativism. Right. And right. Um, so in the post, I kind of just briefly go over a recent movie, um, Fifty Shades of Grey, where um, I had a, actually an, um, an encounter with an acquaintance of mine who really got kind of forceful about saying, Aaron, I... Aaron, you need to go see this movie. You just got to have an open mind about it because hmm. the main character in the movie um, has sexual tastes that tend toward torture, pretty much. Right, um, absolutely. It know, is definitely sadomasochism. Yeah, I mean, very disturbing talk. stuff. And um, and anyway, but she said, but you don't understand. He had a terrible childhood and he's so sad and messed up inside. And in the end, she saves him. So okay. that makes it all better, right? Was yeah. Kind of the you know, idea of the conversation. And that it's a little bit, um, and, and I'm just, this is these are my words, but it's a little bit patronizing to you that you make a choice based upon what you know about your faith and good morals and virtue to choose, actively choose with purity of intention not to view. And those types of um, movies and books and magazines really to me as a, you know, as a person who really cares about the human person, but also with the uh, psychiatry and mental health background, I see this avalanche of normalizing pathology, and it really concerns me. It really, really does. It, and it truly damages our hearts and our minds um, very insidiously and kind of in an incremental kind of way. Mm-hmm. And so this is why we talk about these things, you know. And, and actually another thought to go along with that that I had was – that anything in the media or anything that makes us sympathize with evil, justify evil, is should be suspect to us. Right. And have just seeing in this acquaintance of mine how she sympathized with him and kind of she kind of had been duped to glossing over all of this other visual 
awful things that she mm-hmm. had ingested mm-hmm. to feel sorry for this character who, by the way, is a fictional character who was put on screen and, you know, the movie was made in, to be an experience in such a way that money would be made for somebody, you know, using, so it's not right. a real person. And I do want to make the point that a person, you know, a, a human being, a real person who's alive, should we should have great compassion on them. But for a fictional person in the media, that's not something I think that we're called to do. Right. Media, folks in the media have a very, a very deep understanding of, I think, psychology and human emotion and what is going to impact us in a certain way, one way or the other, um, or with all of those shades of gray, if you will, and have us, it, it does change our behavior. It changes our thoughts. It opens us up or closes us up to other things. And so I think there's great power that is utilized to to make money um, and to change culture. Really, there's, there's quite an agenda out there on a number of fronts um, that media, quote-unquote media, uses. We use media here to, to teach truth and to teach virtue and to teach what our faith teaches. So I guess you could say we have an agenda, too. <laughs> yeah. And, and one, may I make one other note? I have great compassion. This is why I chose the field that I did. Great compassion on a human person. And so many people have had horrible childhood experiences, um, traumatic things like you can't even imagine. But that does not excuse the subsequent behavior. You know, when you become an adult, you need to get some help <laughs> so that you don't repeat these patterns on other people. It does not excuse the behavior just because that's a really slippery slope, if you mm-hmm. think about it. If, if someone uh, is assaulted in some way, always, you can look back at a, at a, a childhood experience nearly always and see a lot of trauma in the the perpetrator's um, experience, usually. Um, But that does not excuse the choice to harm another human being. I'm just saying. Okay. Did I digress too far off the the mark? Excellent, excellent point. Yeah. So I think another thought, another way that we justify the different poisons in the media that we choose is kind of the excuse that you can't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Because the characterization is so good, the um, production quality is so good, the prose is so beautiful, you know, whatever it might be. Okay. So we're going to sugarcoat the evil. You know, it's like the spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. And um, and I think <laughs> Stacy can probably speak to this, but I think what that does is we we say I don't mind a little bit of trash in mm. this because everything else is so good and that adds up to really desensitization to things that are not of God what's not good are holy or rightly ordered absolutely you take one little it's called incrementalism it's used in politics and every other facet of life you know a little bit here a little bit there and before you know it you're so far away you have no idea that you're so far away or how to get back Mm-hmm. And we, we pride ourselves in thinking, I can handle this, I can handle that. That doesn't disturb me, that doesn't affect me. And that would be just what I said, pride. And that comes from the evil one. And we then give, if you believe in the evil one, okay, and he is real, we know that he is real because he is prowling, and you give him a toehold, and then you give him a foothold, which is a little harder to get away from him, and then you give a stronghold, and he has you by the neck. And so he can't, you can't allow him, and it is all or nothing. You cannot allow him any aspect of you because he will 
invade and make consequences <laughs> for your for your life and for your your soul and um yeah so i have a lot that i could say aaron but i know you have more to say and you know i don't want to it's it's humble handmade day not stacy bellino day <laughs> so i want to hear what you have to say <laughs> you're too much um so i think just riley on the back of that i think one of the devil's sneakiest tricks is sneaking something bad into something that's otherwise pretty good yeah yeah and i i mean how many movies have we seen that are adorable, cute movies, but they've got the one scene? Oh, you know what? That's a really good moment for us to take a little break and kind of leave a little tease there for y'all to stick around with us here on Faith and Good Counsel. We're talking today with Erin Franco, the humble handmaid, about four ways we justify our poison. And don't we all do that? We make those rationalizations. Stick around. We'll be right back. Hi everybody, I'm Paul Maneri, coach of the LSU Baseball Fighting Tigers, and I have a serious pitch for your consideration. I've accepted the honor of being the chairman of the Capital Campaign for Catholic Community Radio. What this means is I'm recruiting you to join the team of financial supporters to help Catholic Community Radio build this apostolate. By making your monetary commitment, this will help increase the reach of Catholic Radio with the traditions of the Catholic faith and the life-changing message of Christ's love. Presently, this nonprofit work of faith is reaching Southeast Louisiana and the Gulf Coast with AM radio stations in Baton Rouge and New Orleans. However, the need for new broadcast equipment is urgent. Larger offices are a must, and the FCC has required Catholic Community Radio to build two new broadcast towers in Chalmette. This growth, with your financial help, will nearly double the coverage, allowing us to reach from South Central Louisiana, the North Shore, all along the Gulf Coast, to beyond Pascagoula. The financial goal of this campaign means we'll all need to swing for the fences. But with teamwork, we will realize the eternity of reasons of why it's so important to make this a priority. I ask you to pray for God's direction regarding your contribution. Thanks, Coach Maneri. Make your one-time or recurring pledge by visiting our website, catholiccommunityradio.org. Thank you. Hello, this is Jimmy Sagers. How would you like the ability to explain and defend the Catholic faith biblically? One solution is my book, The Fullness of Truth, which is written in language that lay people can easily understand. You can get it on Kindle for only $2.99, or if you like paper, you can have total access to the entire book for $9.99 at thefullnessoftruthoneword.com. Thank you. Welcome back, everybody. This is Faith in Good Counsel. I'm Stacey Galino, and I'm so happy to have with me my lovely dear friend and colleague um, and spiritual daughter, if I may say so, Erin Franco, the humble handmaid. Thanks, Erin, for being with us today. Absolutely. You know, when Erin's here, there's always a really good conversation. Our ears need to perk up. Our hearts and our minds need to be open and listen. And she's talking today about one of her her blog post, Four Ways We Justify Our Poison. And boy, there's a lot of poison around for us to be tantalized by. And the evil one just loves doing that. You know, he's the father of lies. And he makes really nasty, evil things look really, really pretty and attractive nowadays. And so, you know, we're in a battle, folks. I mean, Scripture tells us that. And we have to be on guard always, arming ourselves with truth. 
And so before the break, Aaron, you were just beginning to talk about one of the devil's sneakiest tricks, and that is sneaking something bad into something overarchingly very good, such that we might be deluded into thinking that it's all good, it's all okay. Absolutely. Sneaking something good into something bad into something that's otherwise pretty okay or pretty good. And I was telling Stacy, there are so many movies I've seen over the years that have the one scene that was just unnecessary. And if the one scene was taken out, it would be so cute. But um, I think that's a great example of in the media how we let in a little bit of trash. With yeah. And it goes in. Mm-hmm. It does go Don't in. Don't delude yourself. It goes in. Yeah. Um, so I think an important point here is that when you walk by the Spirit, when you walk your life through your life with God, you are going to have to make some tough decisions. But yes, it's hard to not read the book that your friends are reading or go see this movie or even watch this show. Um, it's hard to feel like maybe other people think you're judging them or you're missing out on the fun. But in the end, what is that decision going to do? Is that going to harm you in any way? Or is it going to call you to virtue, to purity, to humility, a lot of humility there, to uh, more faithfulness? So it's not going to harm you to just not consume it. And in fact, really, guys, we cannot outgive God, can we? Amen. Amen. And who would want to? I, mean, I love being a creature. <laughs> I want, I'm, I'm just a creature. You know, I think it was to Teresa of Avila. He said, I am the creator and you are the created. You know, it's just kaboom. It's something to remember, to really, really remind us that he said to her with great love. It sounds kind of harsh. But it was with great love to remind us of really who we are here. We are his beloved creatures. And that is a whack to our pride, though. And that's part of our, you know, concupiscence from the garden. Our, the fall is, is our pride. I think that underlies so very much in our actions, our thoughts, our behaviors. Um, you know, but I think really one point I was, um, as you were speaking, Erin, I was thinking about the TV and how much, oh my goodness, we are far away from Mayberry on the TV. And, you know, your intentions can be like the ones we're speaking of today and you're watching TV and then all of a sudden there's this sliding in of something really evil um, and, you, and an otherwise really good show. I turn the channel, I turn the channel. There might've been a time in the past where I'll go, oh, well that's, yeah, man, that, oh, I wish they wouldn't have done that. And then I keep watching. At this time in my life, at the age of almost 51, and of all the things that I've been through, I, it is so important to stay, uh, for all of us to stay in a state of grace as much as possible because we are intercessors for our family, and there is nothing and just nothing that is worth, you know, the holiness of my family. And so change the channel. It's okay. And, I, and that kind of brings us to a third thought that I had about how we justify poison in the media. That's great for them, but I don't feel called to that right now. That's still moral relativism you're talking about a little bit, isn't it? A little bit, yeah. Yeah. Your yeah. truth isn't my truth, and we're okay. But how is that really working, I wonder? How is moral relativism really, really working nowadays? Is the world more peaceful? You know, I don't think so. I don't yeah. think so. Just take a look around. Absolutely. And, um, you know, sometimes we're on the other end of that when we're, we're hearing that from people. And sometimes that is us. Mm -hmm. I know what's, a, what's okay with me now or what's okay with what was okay five years ago is not okay with me now. 
Right. You know, I think that we, we, we grow over time. Spiritual maturity takes time. And when you're on the other side of the statement, that's great for you, but I don't feel called to that. We really have to have um, to listen to that little nudge of the Holy Spirit, whether we're supposed to keep our mouth shut or right. say something if it is in a, you know, a serious matter. And if we do keep our mouths shut, um, we just have to remember that the witness of our life, the, the humble witness of our life does plant seeds that God nurtures over time. And that Holy Spirit, he definitely has those little pokes and prods yes. to your heart and your conscience over time. Um, and they get annoying after a while. And I'm definitely, I can attest to that <laughs> in my life for sure. Uh, so just um, li- live a holy life and let God take it from there. I think it's annoying, you know, at least on one level, Erin, because, you know, you're in the moment in a conversation that's getting uncomfortable for you because of where you are in your spiritual life. I bet our listeners can can relate to this. And you want to say the right thing and you're discerning as you're listening and engaged in the conversation and you feel the Holy Spirit is saying to you, this is a moment for you to be silent. Um, but you feel like at some point you have to speak. I think it's perfectly fine to say as long as the Holy Spirit you know, you feel he's leading you there. Um, that's something that I'm not called to right now. Is is almost a way to um, very kindly and charitably shut the conversation down. I might just, in that instance, not say that's great, you know, for you or whatever, because that kind of says I'm okay with what you're doing, but this is where I'm going to go. It, you know, it might even be an option just to say, I, I appreciate that that you're saying this. Um, I'm glad you're sharing this with me. I, I'm not called to that now. And that really... So on the other end of it. That's know, right. In a positive way. And and people are, it's surprisingly very drawn to that because they see the peace and the serenity and the beauty that you have, and they want that. Mm-hmm. And they see the courage and the strength and the virtue that even though you might be shaking and, you know, my neck turns red when I get nervous <laughs> and my hands start sweating, um, it, it does it. Listen, the further that you get along in the spiritual life, you're, you're so good with it. You're like, I don't feel called to that. You know, what, whatever, you're fine with it. It's, it's amazing how God, it's, it's almost, it becomes your habit. It becomes more of your, your assumed nature through grace, you know? Mm-hmm. It's just natural. It's much more natural. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so kind of the last point that I talk about uh, in the post about how we justify our poison is the idea it doesn't affect me. Mm. And you you definitely have people where they're just from person to person where violence or it's something that you see is going to be more scandalizing to one mm-hmm. person than mm-hmm. to the next person. Uh, but in the end, where we have to really have a heart-to-heart with ourselves and say, am I kind of getting desensitized to this? Mm-hmm. Um, because there's a point at which, I mean, we don't come out of the womb desensitized to an hour of gore on the television screen or the movie screen. You know, we don't come out of the womb being okay with watching, you know, an intense, intimate encounter on the Mm -hmm. screen or even in a book or reading that in a book. So to say it doesn't affect me is very interesting. And, And one thing that you can do, dear listeners, is to look at the fruit. If you say it doesn't affect me, Look at how life is, is, is going for you in, in a very real, real way. And, you know, you have to be willing to assess the roots of certain issues that are going on in your family or in your own heart, in your, your marriage, um, in your relationship individually with your children, um, you know, and, and really, really look. I mean, there's just a plethora of evidence-based research that shows 
for example, violence, um, we're desensitized to it, um, you know, to the humanity of the person who is being harmed. Um, and there is a relationship between violence that we see on the television, in the movies, and in books, and violence that happens in real life. So that's just one example of you can't say it doesn't affect me. Um, it, it, that is faulty logic, and that's really um, not true. It may be incremental, and you may not notice it. It's like the frog you know, put into boiling water. He'll jump out. But a frog in a pot of cold water that's gradually turned up to where he doesn't notice it, eventually he's cooked. And I don't want to be cooked. Mm-hmm. I want to be rising. I want to be in the beatific vision, singing in perfect harmony <laughs> in heaven one day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm not. So, yes, um, it definitely is, is faulty, I say, to think, to say and think that it does not affect you. Yeah. There's evidence to the contrary. And in that heart-to-heart with ourselves, when we do take a look at maybe what we are getting a little desensitized to, there's a really, just a perfect analogy that I wanted to share with the listeners uh, from St. John of the Cross. Uh, So think about your soul like a pane of clear glass. And the glass has some little smudges and fingerprints on it. That's arson. That's things we need to work on in our souls that God needs to work on. So if the glass is facing is facing away from God's light, so facing away from the light, you can't really see all of the little smudges and all of the little marks. They're kind of hidden the way that the light works. But when you turn this clear pane of glass directly toward the light of God, when you're facing him, you can see every little mark on there. And that is where you get the idea of the saints are being so scrupulous. They say they're the worst sinners, mm-hmm. that kind of idea. But it's because they are so turned toward God that they can't stand to see all those little marks and they want to clear them off for yes. him. Yes, because for love, because mm-hmm. he created us for communion with him. And we want to be as beautiful in his eyes as we can possibly be. And, you know, I'm not uh, people say all the time, Aaron, Oh, I don't want to pray, you know, for more humility. I'm afraid to pray or I'm afraid to pray for, for God to illuminate my sins. I want him to illuminate them so I can have clean glass so that I can just be in, in, in the most intimate relationship with him. So, again, as you grow in your spiritual maturity, you know, these kinds of desires he places in your heart and the fear leaves you. It's so beautiful. And really, as you turn your soul more toward God in your life on your spiritual journey, the more I think you will naturally censor what goes into your heart you and do. your mind. You really do. You do it's, it, he changes your desires. You know, once you, you it, and again, it's incrementalism, either, you know, toward evil or toward good, and there's always that battle. Um, but as we turn our hearts and minds and in openness and receptivity to to truth it's amazing what happens to your desires and your things that you're so tightly attached to mm-hmm. and just in the end just one more thought if you're thinking oh this is all going a little overboard because you're thinking about all your favorite shows and that kind of thing right now just remember that it is a lie that living radically for God will be less fulfilling or less fun it's a lie that you can outgive God oh. or outgive up something you know yes and this is where you experience true joy i mean it's a, it's just a joy to serve the lord through the joys and sorrows that come with the christian journey well 
Aaron, I want to thank you for being with us once again today, sharing beautiful wisdom, beautiful pearls of wisdom. Check out her blog, y'all, humblehandmade.com. There's so much there um, for your heart that's thirsting for God. Humblehandmade.com, Aaron Franco. I really appreciate you. I love you so deeply, and I'm so happy that you're my dear sister on the journey. I learned so much from you. God bless you. And tell friends that we are together again. I pray for each one of you that God will hold you in the palm of his hand. Be not afraid. Turn your heart toward him. Pax Christi, y'all. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye now. Faith and Good Counsel is a production of Catholic Community Radio.